What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Culture FC, the weekly soccer show that's not really about soccer. We cover lifestyle, fashion, politics, all of the interesting things happening surrounding the beautiful game, just none of the things happening on the pitch. My name is Louie, and I am joined here by my two amazing co-hosts, Alan, Brendan. And this week, we got to talking about the Portland Timbers. I know this is our second spotlight episode back-to-back, but after last week's episode on Seattle, we figured that we can't really talk about Seattle Sounders without talking about one of their biggest rivals, the Portland Timbers. We really wanted to highlight what makes the Timbers different from Seattle, but also what makes them so awesome in their own right. If we miss anything in this episode that you think we should have mentioned or talked about, please leave us a comment if you're watching the video version on YouTube or Facebook, or email us at contact at troubleware.com. That is T-R-E-B-L-W-E-A-R.com. Please leave us a nice five-star review on your favorite podcast app if that is how you are listening to this podcast and we do have an instagram our instagram is at culturef.c where you will be able to find short clips from the podcast insight behind the scenes stuff that you don't get to listen to on in the edited version of the podcast and just cool stuff we'll be posting all the time so please follow us there and if you have a friend who loves soccer family member who loves soccer your dad your sister your brother share this podcast with them i think that's it and let's jump into this week's show All right, guys, so welcome back. Another episode this week. We're going to be talking about the Portland Timbers just because last week we talked about Seattle Sounders and what is Seattle Sounders without the Portland, Portland Timbers. Timbers. And kind of without really joining them two together because they hate each other's guts. We don't want to say that they go hand in hand, but their stories are somewhat similar, um, both being from that, that part of the country and kind of having similar cultures not even soccer-wise, but just as kind of Geographic. geographically and kind of all of that. There are a lot of similarities and things that overlap between them that, which which kind of lead to lead to why people kind of um, bunch them up all the time. You always see all the the videos of just like Seattle, t- Seattle and Portland, blah blah blah, the rivalry, blah blah. blah. Um, but a- as much as they are similar, there are a lot of stark differences between them. And, and we'll kind of get into all that in today's episode and when we kind of dive deeper into who the Portland Timbers really are. So in terms of support, Portland Timbers, I think, often gets overlooked just because of the restrictions that their stadium puts on them. They have a much smaller stadium than a lot of teams in the MLS do, and especially the Sounders that have this massive stadium that fits, whatever, 40-something plus thousand people. 60,000. 60,000 people. And... The Timbers don't have that. I mean, their stadium fits, what, 22, 23 max? So I think that in terms of, I think the numbers get skewed and people always say, oh, but Atlanta and these teams are breaking records. Well, the Timbers don't really have that, but I think what the policy that best fits them is quality over quantity. I think that if you've ever seen a Timbers game, you'll see how crazy their support is. They always sell out season ticket holders. They're... It's what ten thousand people that are waiting on the wait list for the for the season ticket holders. Yeah, so they as well. have ten thousand people waiting to be added to the season tickets, um, to get season tickets, which right. is crazy. And I, I'm sure that they would probably. I mean, I think Portland's Portland as a city's population is about on par with Seattle. So I think that in terms of having the people there in Portland to support the club, um, 
if they had the stadium, they would be breaking the same records that a lot of these clubs uh, would be breaking at t- in today's modern age. Well, well, what actually what some people argue is that Seattle actually the Seattle metropolitan area has a lot more people living in it than Portland does, but because of the limiting factor on the stadium. Well, basically what Portland says is that if we had a bigger stadium, we would f- have as many people going to our games as Seattle, despite the fact that Seattle's a bigger Is state. that what I just said? Is that what you're <laughs> saying? <laughs> I'm saying they're, yeah, they're, they're both like 650-something thousand people that live in the general, like Seattle both and, and Portland both have around those figures of people. Okay. So I think that like Timbers don't get their credit in yeah, terms of... Just uh, because their stadium is small, small doesn't mean they have the fan base. Right. Um as evidenced by the fact that there's 10,000 people on a waiting list, which right. would bring them up to the 31 to 34,000 range right. of people who would be season ticket holders. Right, and w- I think last week we were talking about the Green Bay Packers. You think about a stadium that only fits 20-something thousand people, 10,000 people on a wait list is crazy because, that's, that's again, that's one of those things that you may not get, get, get in your lifetime, exactly. Because that's a half of your stadium's capacity. That's... Um, that's ridiculous. So it goes to show that th- the fans are there. There's definitely support for the Portland Timbers in, in Portland. And it's also important to note, too, that in a similar fashion to Seattle, uh, Portland only has uh, two big-time sports teams. Not to discount the Portland Thorns. They're, very, they, you know, they're new the, to the scene and everything, but Portland essentially had two teams for you to root for. I don't think they've ever really had a football team. They never really had a baseball team. I don't know about the history of those, of those yeah. areas, but clearly they didn't stick around. And so you know, it's another one of those factors where it gives you something to root for. It gives you a team to latch on to. So that absence in the market did, in fact, help both Seattle and Portland, um, but just wanted to draw that similarity as well. Yeah, for anyone that doesn't know, it's the Portland Thorns um, FC women's soccer. The, that's the women's team, the Trailblazers, the uh, basketball team, and then obviously the Portland Timbers. And if you don't know who they are, I don't know why you're listening <laughs> to the podcast. So <laughs> maybe they want to learn about. Maybe the they want to learn. I'm sorry, I apologize. I Portland Timbers are the men's <laughs> MLS soccer team in Portland, Oregon. Oregon. <laughs> well, yeah. So we kind of dive into the history of Portland Forest and give us their lowdown briefly so that we don't bore the the listeners but kind of just let them know what what the history of the timbers are and yeah so if you listen to our episode last week or i'm sure some of you may know but the portland timbers is one of very few teams in the mls that like seattle actually has history and we've talked about how important history is to clubs before on here and you should understand how important history is for a club and so they've been a team they've been around portland in one way shape or another since 1975 and in that first year they went to the championship game but unfortunately they lost it not to you know keep talking about that but basically since that first year in the in Nassau, they became known as soccer city usa because it was an instant hit similar to how it was in seattle but tim like portland became known as soccer city and not seattle so that's it, it's that cool thing where it's by the fact that they came into the league at the same time they kind of came into existence at the same time portland timbers is known as soccer city and yeah. i still think it's relatively true today yeah. and so and just to note the uh the first championship game was known as the soccer bowl which i think <laughs> should come back <laughs> i think soccer bowl huh? let's well, americanize it man yeah. like the soccer bowl so yeah. the nassau that exists is it still doing that exists yeah they call their championship game the soccer bowl yeah oh i love it yeah i think it's no, sweet. i think that's sweet i think it's cool better better than the mls cup yeah that yeah. sounds so european call it the soccer bowl yeah make it american man yeah <laughs> um and so since that initial almost championship season in that first year of their existence there was what they were well supported unfortunately they didn't win much afterwards but 
they were well supported. People in Portland love them. They just started to get ingrained in that local culture, right? And then, unfortunately, the team folded in 1982 as the player salaries started to outpace team revenue. Mm-hmm. And so they weren't making as much. So they couldn't necessarily pay their, their players all that much. So, unfortunately, they folded. And then the league soon thereafter followed them and folded as well. I don't think soccer was ready at the time. And then in 1985, a new team called FC Portland was established. And then in 1987, a local businessman named Art Dixon bought the team and renamed it to the Portland Timbers. They only existed as FC Portland for two years. And rightly so, I'm so happy this guy changed it back. And he was a longtime Timbers fan. He had been a season ticket holder from 1979 until the year that the, the, the team folded. And so when he bought it, he was like, no, we got we to gotta put the name back. Because for me that, and for us as a fan group, this is super important that we keep it very Portland, very traditional. And, kept, and brought the name back. And so he then injected some money and started to make it more professional as a team. And then, unfortunately, that team also folded in 1990 just because mm. no soccer was really going on in the 80s and 90s. They weren't ready for it yet. A reoccurring theme. Reoccurring theme in the U.S. That and won't happen again. Yeah. Uh, it might still. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, hopefully not to the Timbers, of course. But So then a new team is founded in 2001, and they are also named the Portland Timbers. Thank God that they that continued. And they are playing in various different leagues in the second tier of the American Soccer Pyramid. And then... That lasted up until 2010 when they then entered the MLS and they went on and actually ended up winning the MLS Cup in 2015. And yeah, that has been a little bit of their history from start to finish. Of course, we glossed over a lot of it because I was trying to give you guys a quick lowdown. But one cool thing is they've played in Providence Park, which is their stadium now, since the very beginning. They've been playing in that stadium Mm. since the day they were playing. That's sweet. Despite the fact that they're always like these these breaks in between their existence. And that that leads to the question, do you think they'll ever expand the you think? so i think they should expand but i think the issue is is that where providence park is it's right downtown yeah it's legitimately downtown portland and they're very limited into what they can build yeah in terms of i actually saw a little video about it a, a little while back and i wish i watched it again before the start of this podcast but essentially the issue is is that they can only really build up but building up requires them to put more support and then the support starts going onto the sidewalk and it yeah. starts to really take away from the area yeah. in a weird way. Yeah, yeah. So they have a little bit of a, of a weird fight to, to try and figure out how to yeah. make the stadium. It'd be hard out. too uh, if they are in the middle of, of downtown Portland. It, it, I mean, you just don't got, you don't have space, you don't have space, unfortunately. But um, yeah, they do have a plan to, I think, get 4,000 more seats by okay. 2019. Yeah. Yeah. Which, but again, you know, it, it doesn't seem like a lot in terms of like, how many people support them, but... Considering where it is, how tough it probably is. Considering all the issues that they have with building it, 4,000 is going to add a lot more to that that park. Yeah, and the the building plans, just the the graphics make it look pretty sweet. So we'll make sure we put those those notes in the the show notes as well so you guys take a look at that. Um, But on to the idea of like heritage and where they've kind of been the whole time. I think there's a bunch of things that I love about Portland Timbers. There's not only a name, but also like their team identity. The Timbers is a phenomenal name. I'm usually very anti-American naming standards on teams because I don't. I hate the idea of like a team that has nothing to do with what from where they're from because a team should be connected to local culture. Yeah. And so for when you have like the trying to think, oh, like the Utah Jazz, which of course they started in New Orleans, so it made sense in New Orleans, then moved to Utah. Yeah. But like. Utah's not known for jazz. Yeah, yeah. The, there's no lakes <coughs> in Los Angeles. So it's like, 
I get it. They were from Minneapolis, like it was Minneapolis Lakers, and they moved. I don't care. I just don't like the fact that a team name has nothing to do with local culture. Yeah. So when you have the Portland Timbers, which are d- in direct connection with the area's history of lumbering, you know, it's really, really cool. And on top of it, there's a big axe in their crest, which I find so badass. sick. Yeah. It's badass. Like yeah. they're like it's badass if you can put a weapon as your crest. Like yeah. that to me is is awesome. They and have hit the nail on the head for like right. the perfect. They have hit the axe yeah. in the tree. <laughs> yeah. With yeah. Their they have felled the log perfectly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and on top of it, they also have these like chevrons in their logo, which symbolizes a tree. So it's just overall, I think that their crest is amazing. They've actually very, they've changed very Along with the coloring of their lo- their stuff too. I think that it's very fitting with what you would think of Portland, Pacific Northwest. Yeah. yeah. Right. And on top of it, they have changed their logo very minimally throughout these different existences. So when they entered the, the MLS, they updated their logo a tiny bit, but the general, everything stayed the same. It's a circle with an ax and it says Portland Timbers. And so I love that. I, to me, that just shows that it's ingrained in the local culture. It's for the people. And it really, really represents an area of America that just loves soccer. It, yeah. it's, it's iconic in yeah. what it is. And in terms of kind of soccer, soccer rivalries and, who the Timbers' biggest rivals are, Sounders, which we've we've sort of touched on, but also the uh, Vancouver Whitecaps are two of their bigger rivals, and and we talked about this in the in the last episode more, so we're not going to get too deep into it. But they play in the Cascadia Cup and this kind of three team tournament that's run by the fans and kept pretty local and fan and and fan run. So if you want to listen to that. Go, go go listen to the other episode that we had on the Seattle Sounders, which we get more in depth, and we don't really want to bore you guys to death, anyone who has already listened to that with the details. So we're going to move on now to just talking about kind of Portland as a city. And I think this is one one area where there is a, lo- a lot of overlap between Portland and Seattle. And for anyone that listened to last week, and if you haven't, we touch upon this idea of counterculture and how Seattle was able to grow soccer because they are very counterculture. So they, you know, they don't want to do what's mainstream in the U.S. and they don't want to be the uh, American football culture. They don't want to play the basketball, whatever it may be. Portland is very much like that as well. I think that... If not more so. Yeah. And if, if uh, all I can think of when I hear of Portland is Portlandia. It's just the most satirical comedy show about people of Portland. Yeah. And it just hits the nail on the head as to like how crazily yeah. out there and just counterculture they are. Mm. So that even more so pins it's like, oh it's soccer. Like that's such a Portland thing. Yeah. I haven't watched that, so can you just explain that to like It's pretty much it? it's like a sketch comedy show where like they're almost like vignettes, but within the episode there's like a couple different stories that go on and it's uh Fred Armisen and I forget the woman's name uh man it's drawn a blank but either way they um they just do these really satirical just over the top like typical like what happens in portland yeah um one of the my one of the things i can really remember is that fred armerson like they dress as two women who are like running a bookstore or something like that and it's just they're just so over the top and yeah. funny and yeah. it, i recommend watching it yeah. if you want portland, like a good yeah. kind of on netflix or where where do i find that I believe it's on Netflix. Yeah, yeah. yeah but it's it it's it's super funny. I've always been a f- f- fan of yeah. Fred Armisen because yeah. it's SNL and, and everything. And we were joking about how the the Seattle yeah, Seattle reminds us of the whole hipster scene, but I think Portland even more so because I when I think hipster, I think curly mustache and a flannel, and that's just like like I a pretend like, lumberjack. Yeah, a pretend lumberjack where they are real lumberjacks, but you can see it. You know, they're growing out the beards and all that. So Carrie Brownstein, Carrie Brownstein, Portlandia, yep. Netflix. Check it out. I think so. Yeah. 
Portlandia, if you'd like to sponsor this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we would take a nice break here for you. <laughs> but yeah, I think that the counterculture idea, like you said, I, I actually almost identify Portland more as the counterculture uh, city versus Seattle. And so it does make a lot of sense that Portland would be Soccer City USA because soccer, like we said last week, is such an anti-American, was such an anti-American sport that for them they were kind of like, no, this makes sense. Yeah. Every, the rest of the country is obsessed with baseball and football. We'll be obsessed with soccer. Yeah. And, it, you know, it just makes sense. Yeah. And so, like we said with Seattle, all of those things are great as to why a city would embrace it. But at the same time, what sets Portland apart as a soccer team is their fan culture. And like we touched upon on the rivalry, you know, rivalry is really great in building fan culture, which you should definitely check out some of the TIFOs that the Portland uh, Timber, the Portland, the, I'm sorry, the Timbers Army do. Um but we want to veer this conversation more towards what makes what sets them apart from other teams that are usually lopped in in the same group, you right. know, Seattle and Vancouver. Um, and so one of the biggest things is they created an organic fan culture. You know, of course, Seattle did too, but just what makes Portland so different is, first of all, their mascot is a human being, which yeah. I believe <laughs> is like the first I- existence of a like human being mascot in a professional team. And so they had a mascot called Timber Jim. Timber Jim. Who was a legitimate lumberjack who was a Portland Timbers fan back in the 70s. And so after watching a couple games, he fell in love with it and was just like, you know what? I'm going to reach out to the team owners. And he calls them up and says, hey, I want to bring my chainsaw to the game and I want to be our mascot. And they said, oh, no way in hell. An, an we're not astonishing doing that. A question. <laughs> Which, you know, it must have been the best conversation that's ever happened. And I wish I could have listened to it. But... He then ends up, I forget how, but he ends up becoming their mascot. And he used to have this big pole that he would climb up and he would stand up there until they scored a goal. And he was, he had, in an interview he had, he said that he was up there for a couple of games before yeah. they scored. Yeah. And then he would like basically zip down it and then like start just doing crazy shit, like just going wild. And then every time they score, he would saw off the end of a log and they give it to the player who scored, which is a tradition that yeah. they still have going on today. That's fly. Yeah. I can't think of any other team off the top of my head that does something That's like something that. So, no. I mean, <clears throat> I know there's always the like, oh, the game ball for the guy who yeah. gets the hat trick. But yeah. getting, I think that's just so, so Portland. Yeah. Yeah, and it's you know the man of the match is usually one person, whereas this they're like, all right, you scored, we're gonna honor you yeah. with a piece of wood, and so a lot of the players actually end up signing that piece of log and donating it to yeah. any charitable cause that the Timbers Army is involved in. At That's the cool. Time. Um, but then Timber Jim retires, right? And then uh, you know a lot of places might be like, oh, okay, whatever, we're getting more into the mainstream, like let's kind of stop that business. No, thank God Portland went and was like, no, 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 we're gonna add another Timber guy, and it became I think Timber Joey is his name. And now he does all of the, the sawing and all of that for and the sawing. He, <laughs> he's the one who took over for Timber Jim and now does it at every single game. But uh, one thing I actually just skipped over is that so Timber Jim's daughter died a few years back. And I think this was re- after he had already retired. Yeah, in a car but, the in, but the entirety of the Timber's army, he had asked the Timber's army to sing You Are My Sunshine. And at the 80th minute of one of the games, they sang You Are My Sunshine. And this dude, like, bawled like a baby because it meant... Getting goosebumps now. Yeah. yeah. And then, now, at the at the 80th minute of every single home game, the Timbers Army yeah. sing You Are My Sunshine yeah. as a group. Wow. Which, like, 
tear jerking. Those are the kind of things that can only happen if you build a community that actually cares about each right. other. You know what I mean? And if you think in terms of kind of some of the, I when I heard this story, it triggered the 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 memory of going to a Red Sox game and kind of how the Red Sox, you have that seventh inning stretch. Uh, it's they're singing Sweet Caroline and. Boston is seen as what the the best ballpark in the country to go to to kind of enjoy a game one of the most historic most iconic and obviously the meanings behind these different these these moments to sing are completely different but it's these little things that kind of make it that such an experience and more and more authentic and, like and create a connection between fan and, and and club it's like iconic right if you're you know if I hear Sweet Caroline anywhere I'm gonna sing it yeah, yeah. you know it just becomes this thing and it, and it attaches you to that location right and even more so how many people do you know that might have con- gone to visit Fenway and you've seen them post a Snapchat or post something on social media of just that, not nothing about the game and just that moment yeah. of, of kind of singing Sweet Caroline during the seventh inning. You know, that that's that's what builds these kind of special moments for people um, and, and creates fond memories. And, and eventually down the line, I think it will lose some of that, that meaning just because people will not know. Like right now, I don't know why people sing Sweet Caroline in the seventh inning of yeah. the Red Sox game. But they do. Right, but, but they do, the and it, it creates continue. it. Absolutely. And, and it also, it's something super differentiating because I don't think any club in the MLS, let alone anywhere in the world, has something like that. There might be a handful yeah, of clubs. Well, so but you have like Liverpool with "You Never Walk Alone." Yeah, and you have other you have other teams that right. do it. But at each instance that a, a fan group uh, adopts a song, it becomes iconic. Yeah, like you said absolutely. maybe not for the same reasons, but just because right. it happens during the right. game. And those are the kind of things that, it, like, I keep saying using the word iconic, but that's just what you think about. Yeah. Those yeah. are the things that stand out to you when you yeah. are experiencing fan culture. Yeah, and when you think of like world class fan culture that's kind of one of the that's it, up there song it's the tifos that that portland already kind of creates it's these different elements that that i think the, the that we need to go over is the timbers army which is the portland timbers fan group that was established 2001 i think they wanted to create a fan group that was supporting the timbers with this european sort of mindset as its as its foundation they wanted to bring the the flares the drums the music all of that they wanted to bring that culture to the portland timbers before even the portland timbers were in mls they wanted to do this for usl right so so when you're creating a um, imagine that yeah i mean you're going to a usl team and they're just like crazy so to put this in perspective anybody listening if you have a division two basketball team in your area just imagine <laughs> the support for that team just being absurd because of a group of people who decided that instead of, you know, supporting something on TV, they decided they wanted to support their local team. You know, and no, uh, be very active and be very active. Yeah, extremely not just go, active. Not just go to that D two game. Go there and be a presence, be a, a voice for the for the team to support them. And so that has all built something really amazing in Portland. I think that. I, when I think of Portland, I think of one of the more intimidating places to play in the MLS. Yeah, oh, without a doubt, it's because a crazy, crazy atmosphere. Yeah, I mean, it because it, it, it's one of those things where it's the number you don't need the numbers. No, you just need the Do you, you need the the people to be there, intense, mm-hmm. just kind of putting that pressure on. And I don't know if there are many other places in the MLS that have that same intensity. And what I what I really like about the Timbers that differentiate them a lot from from what I've seen with the Sounders is that they are way more raw and kind of more 
aggressive in there they still have that great element of keeping um unity between their fan bases so you know mm-hmm. the, the lgbt's the every type of diverse culture is is definitely a, a part of the, the timbers fan base but they're, they're they definitely have that more european hardcore kind of raw feeling to them of of ha- the tifos that are kind of a little more more intense the the songs that they sing about seattle are are a little more PG thirteen. They're not the the regular <laughs> kind yeah. of nice songs that you would hear. A nice MLS. Go go yeah. go! Right, we so, gotta go. Right. So they have they have. I mean, their fan base seems like they're a lot more raw. I don't want to keep repeating the same word, but raw is like what I would think of and more passionate in in a sense. It's it, a testament to them. They were actually featured on Sports Illustrated before the Timbers even hit the MLS for. All of these things we just mentioned, they were getting, s- they were creating so much fervor in Portland that National Geographic, National Geographic, <laughs> National Geographic, <laughs> 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 Nat Geo, <laughs> Sports Illustrated actually ran a story talking about how awesome their fans were, and they were getting you know media attention on a club that was a second division soccer team. Yeah. So not only is it like the sport that everybody makes fun of, but it's also a second division club in a sport that everyone makes fun of. So it's yeah. like really low down the, po- yeah. uh, the totem pole that you would, you would imagine. But the Timbers Army were the ones who were really creating that atmosphere yeah. that was giving them national attention. Yeah. For you to be able to be featured on you know, a national magazine about sports that's... Actually, I'm going to say an international magazine about sports in a country that is obsessed with football and basketball. And for you to be like featured as like a full-on like story yeah. in sports illustrated that's absurd yeah and this is a year before this is like a year and a half before they ever joined the mls and so not to mention a game that they lost that's true they, they did, lost they, they that lost game, game but and they were still featured because of the amazing fan support yeah it was yeah. like the tifos and it was just the, the image of what the portland fans were doing at the time that literally got them international attention yeah and i mean the, the attention was so much and that their kind of political power was so strong that they were actually credited for bringing the expansion team that the MLS was giving out to Portland. And when you think about it, that's amazing. It's that similar thing we're talking about, like the Seattle supporters groups, where they were given a voice, they were given this ability of ownership of their club, and that helped bring the MLS to Portland. Absolutely. Yeah. Portland does so well now, are these TIFOs that we kind of have been going uh, speaking of, but... I mean, some of their stuff is just so creative. I mean, it really shows how passionate they are for the for the club. So, if you're just tuned in now, TIFO is is a organized, demonstrated. Uh, I'm sorry, an organized demonstration of love for your club. Usually, yeah. it manifests in big ass banners. Yeah, that are. It's an Italian word, so you can impress your <laughs> lady and or guy friends. With yeah, <laughs> but basically. Uh, what the Port- what the Timbers Army does is they'll get together in these warehouses and they will just paint amazing cultural references or some big artwork yeah. or every every single one is different, unique, intimidating, funny. It just depends on the mood. And you get the Timbers Army to show up and everybody paints it and they store it in a warehouse. And then before every game, they put them up. Yeah. They're huge. They cover entire stands. They're probably, you know huge probably like a hundred and something feet by another yeah. hundred and something feet and they're not just like these square like portraits that i mean the one that it sticks out to me the most is they did a uh, freddy krueger like before a game he yeah legends never sleep behind him is kind of like this scary backdrop and it i mean it's amazing what they're able to do and it it reminds me of the dortmans of the world that produce these well, i mean high yeah. art tifos that i mean 
you go into a field, a stadium, and you see that your fans have done this for you, it builds such an amazing connection between. Oh yeah, you know what I mean. And even just the viewers at home too, it's like wow, like there are people there who like are willing to stand up and like do this and hold yeah. their whatever they have to hold for yeah. that long. Yeah, it's like yo, I want to follow the Portland Timbers. Yeah. And so, to put it in perspective, there's a lot of English clubs that don't do this no. because they can't. They I don't just think any. Don't. I don't think any English clubs now do this anymore. Like no. top, like they. Top you might have divisions. sections that have banners. You might yeah. have sections that sing, but it's <coughs> no one. I don't know if they're allowed actually. So I don't. Yeah, wanna, I don't think. I don't. I don't want to dive so. too deep into yeah. like oh they're they're yeah. better than English clubs, but yeah. it's like. But even uh, outside of England, very few very clubs very in the world. Clubs. Yeah, that, I think that's why Bo- Dortmund is so well appreciated because they are still doing this stuff. And yeah, I mean, I think I saw PSG did one versus when they were playing um, a game versus Monaco. But you know, there it's just it's an art form that's being lost, unfortunately. And it's great to see that th- there's there are clubs in the MLS that are doing this still. Right, and so Portland, they the Timbers Army just does an amazing job yeah. with the Tifos and. Every single one is just absurdly yeah. absurd or interesting in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. Either it's intimidating, like we said, or you know, it, it's funny, interesting, whatever it is. But it's just it, it's such an effort too, because I'm at, like they had a, a Bob ones, Ross one, dude. Like just like if you guys have time, just like <laughs> Google for sure. Portland Timbo Timbers Tifos and like just have a day. Yeah, they are incredible to see, and, and if you think about it, these are. S- on TV, you might look at it real quick and be like, oh, that's really cool. But then you don't you don't consider how much time <laughs> and effort goes into, first of all, designing this. And then transferring that onto a big piece of canvas, which you're going to have to have people paint. And so they go through hundreds and hundreds of gallons of paint, which yeah. is crazy. Yeah. It's it's something that they undertake as an as literally as an army. Yeah. Because there's, I don't know how else to describe it. It's literally as an army yeah. to get it done. And it's interesting because the, when they go to the stadiums, the club allows them to do it, but the club doesn't actually really give them the the hands-on help. So it really is fans doing yeah. this and setting things up. And if you've ever, if you watch some videos on it, you'll see fans are the ones on the on the field directing when these things are going up, directing when they're coming down, taking them underneath the stadium to to put them away, etc. So. Where we saw in Seattle, the fans had a voice kind of in the boardroom and uh, in in more kind of um, corporate settings. I don't want to say corporate, but it, you know what I mean. The the fans here have m- seem to have more power through their their voice uh, in the stands and kind of that that's where they're getting a lot of their connection with with the players. Yeah, I think that's a huge point to make. And one thing that's really interesting about the Timbers Army is that it started off as one section. Of fans and it kind of just kept growing out of control right they kept growing and now they have a bunch of different subgroups so now you have basically the timbers army then became this like big umbrella that all of these other subgroups are in basically like you mentioned before they're very you know lgbt uh supportive and, and positive on that and they have their own subgroup and yeah. other parts of portland any anything that you can even think of as a subgroup they have and they also have different sectional subgroups in terms of geography so you yeah. have you know fans there's actually one from boston it's like the oh, boston really? supporters of portland <laughs> timbers and so cool. you know it's all across the u.s it's all across the world there's one of like in, a, in italy they were like portland oh, Timbers wow. supporters and basically it's you it's a membership you become a part of yeah. this of this thing that you're now like a part of you know yeah. and so the best thing that the, the timbers army did is they actually established an independent supporters trust and it's like it's called the 107 Independent Supporters Trust, or you're now a 107ist. In other words, like that's what, what they call you when you join. 
But basically, you join it because they use it to plan TFOs, bus trips to away matches, and all the charitable work that they do. Yeah. Um, and so, because they do a lot of nonprofit work. Yeah. And for them, they were like, you know, we are a community-based group, and we want to help support the community. Yeah. So we just they are always helping nonprofits the ones who love soccer the ones who don't they just love to help their community and so they give back to portland area and all yeah. of that i think that the point you brought up about right now just of, of them organizing trips to go to away games is super important because i i in, in looking in, into them more they are very much believers in the away support almost like it is in europe again another europe european idea and it's something that is not common in american sports in any sport really. especially because it's such a big country that right yeah. it, it is hard it is hard to travel but it's it, i mean you go to a you go to a home game for a team you're really just going to see fans and then kind of those random fans that are dressed yeah. so when you hear about a team that's putting in an effort really to to get fans to travel to whatever teams it is that's that's intimidating. That's really scary. I mean, they they want to be the loudest ones in the stadiums. They want to go to to the revs, play the revs, and be the loudest ones in the stadiums. Um, and that's something that we don't see anywhere else in the U.S. In yeah. terms of you have really good home support for a lot of these fans, but you don't see these fans leaving and or organizing trips really to get mass groups of people. Right. I mean, they 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 fill out their 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 away sections when they go. You know what I mean? So I think that that's something super cool and. Um, I hope that other teams try to emulate that more because it, it is something that when you see in European games or games abroad, you, uh, the away fans really matter. And if mm -hmm. I mean if they can shut up the the, uh, the home crowd, it really gives your team an advantage. Oh yeah, and there have been instances when they've played Seattle and they've gone up to Seattle because it's only a couple hours drive. That you know they have three thousand people in right. the stadium, but they make it sound like they have. Right. I don't know, 10,000, yeah. just based, the, based on how much they support the right. Timbers. That's crazy. I think yeah. that's a really good point about the away support because, like you said, there not many MLS teams are well-supported away, especially yeah. because, like I said, it's a big it's a big country, and, you know, a lot of people are just – they're not ingrained so right. deeply into their teams that they right. want to go support away. Right. You know, they'd rather just watch it at home, which is understandable, but at the same time, it shows that some people are so fanatical about something that they're willing to yeah. do all of this stuff. And they're willing to – organize and do charitable work such as building soccer fields and like helping out yeah. and doing the uh, free cpr training in english and spanish like you don't i can't think of off the top of my head any other team that's willing to have their supporters help out around their community yeah i mean there's definitely they definitely i mean there definitely are supporter groups that do oh that yeah type for of sure stuff, but when they're organizing them in this kind of systematic manner where it's um by creating a trust by creating like right. essentially like an entity that will command all of this so that right. it's not sporadic mm -hmm. it's not just out of goodwill which no. we, i mean uh, goodwill is amazing we don't <laughs> hate that but when you're doing that and creating it in a more systematic way so that it's consistent it's it's whatever approved organized, by, organized in a more fashionable way th i mean that that really goes a long way because then you stu you do start to get the fans in boston in in wherever it may be that maybe two two um, Timbers fans were able to convert to a few other people just by being supportive in their community. You know what I mean? So um, I think the biggest takeaway from it is that it's so holistic. It incorporates so much about Portland, which is what makes it stand out in that sense where it's because it's for the community, because it's for their team, it's because it's for you, it's for me, it's for the, you know, for uh, Timber Jim who they sing for, it becomes this whole thing of it it's intrinsically motivated. It surpasses soccer and intrinsically motivates you to root for portland as a place as a destination yeah. as a team and that's when 
soccer clubs become effective in my opinion when it surpasses just being a team and becomes a part of your identity to support them yeah and that's what has happened with a lot of people in portland which is astounding one other thing that the the supporters group the supporters trust does is they actually field different supporters teams that play in a league in portland so basically they created their own soccer league for because clearly you love soccer you also like playing it so they then created a league that plays each other through like the greater portland soccer district and they just it's like an adult league and you know if you're part of one subgroup of the portland timbers army you're playing another group and it's just it's a really cool way to also have you know that competition that you're so healthily supporting between other groups which is like i found that very interesting to be able to be like wow they actually do play each other too because they love soccer they love it so much they're gonna play plus it really makes the timbers a part of their lives even more so i mean it's it's in the stadium but it's okay i'm a fan in the stadium i'm playing in the name of the timbers off the pitch with just my friends i'm going to make the tifos it's like that's a lot of time that you're spending and you're connecting with the club and that builds some super loyal fans i mean that is i mean that's loyalty to its finest you're you're creating friendships through this club you're creating families whatever it may be and i mean it's hard to not support a club like that if if that's becoming your life right so i think that that's yeah that's a definitely a cool point and um super super interesting because again it's not something very common i mean you definitely get like you'll play with your fr- friends who are also fans and you might get a couple teams out of that but you don't get a, a full-fledged league that'll that'll play the uh, rival teams yeah, c- too. kind of com- competitive games between your between your your fan groups so that's that's pretty cool so yeah so all of that being said i mean just to kind of put it all together there's lots of reasons why portland is soccer city usa it's that history that they've had for you know four decades now of that ingrained cultural support it's the identity that they have been able to craft with their geographic location because you can relate to it like it's that industry that's so popular in your city and so when the club's iconic look reflects you as a person and you as a city it starts to make that connection easier And then the biggest reason is their fan culture. The fact that they were so able to connect with the local people, not just because it's a sport, but also because it's a way of life. It's a, it's a lifestyle. It became so much more than a club for them. That's what makes them soccer city USA. Not the fact that they have a a successful team, you know, that's won the MLS cup. It's the fact that for these Timbers fans, they're not just Timbers fans. They are part of the Portland Timbers, which I think the, the name Timbers Army is great to encapsulate that. Because for them, it's like, we will fight in your name. In other words, we will play in your name and do all the things that we do in your name like Portland Timbers. I know that sounds a little like high level and mm-hmm. high end, but that is how they see it. And yeah. So and it's no different, really, if you look over in Europe. Right. They're just, they're just beating every other team to the punch. Right. And so I think all of those things coming together, it just really starts to show like why the Timbers have such great support, why they are Soccer City USA. Geez, every single episode we do uh, a, a showcase on a city, it makes me want to go and follow that city's <laughs> yeah, team I that know. much more. Yeah. I wish we had an unlimited budget to go visit all these, these clubs. That would be pretty sick. So that's it, guys. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Culture FC. If you think we should be highlighting your favorite club, please 
send us an email leave us a comment if you're watching this in the video version we love being able to take a deep dive in these clubs and finding out a little bit more about the history its fan culture and what makes a lot of mls clubs so great so please don't hesitate to reach out to us if you haven't yet be sure to pause the podcast leave us that five-star review and share this with your loved one so that's it thank you again for tuning in and we'll see you in the next one